We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, And I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 436. Today, we are brought to you by betonline.ag. Support the show, support Scott and I by going and placing a couple bets on betonline.ag. When you sign up using code BLUEWIRE, you get a welcome bonus. There are things to bet on, even though baseball, hockey, uh, football, and basketball are not playing right now. Scott, do you know what I realized this week? I hate the players and the owners equally. Why? Because they're both greedy animals and they want to have... Each one of them has to have the best scenario for it to Mm -hmm. happen, right? Yes. They are both equally greedy. And I understand it's 
it's billionaires fighting with millionaires. So which side do you want to take? Well, I guess the millionaires because the fans are closer to the millionaires than they are the billionaires, even though we can't really say we know what either of their, their scenarios are really like. But yeah, I just find them both to be insufferable in their own way. Can we, uh, can we just just look at the players as the uh, you know the guys who haven't hit arbitration yet you know maybe maybe they they've already gone through their signing bonus and they're just trying to make ends meet can we can we just think of the players in that way i'm not saying there's players out there that are not trying to make ends meet i'm just saying for our own good for our own mental and it's state. not even yeah it's not even the guys who are drafted and got maybe a 2 or 3 million dollar signing bonus but for the other players who the international signees who maybe didn't get the 5 million dollars that Jason Dominguez got they got half a million and I understand that's still a lot of money and but maybe they go through it at this point and they need every dollar that comes in I get it and also millionaires have bigger bills than everyday people I I get all that stuff That's true those are those are all but true just things. the fighting the fighting and the constant back and forth and the leak the leakage to the media from the owners I mean it's so transparent what they were trying to do with all these all these things that they were just leaking to trusted sources and what were they doing they were setting a bear trap for a stupid ass player to be on Twitch and say something stupid and they caught themselves a Blake Snell <laughs> he walked right into it he stepped in the shit uh, so you think this whole thing was just a trap just to get them talking so yes. they could start complaining? Yes, because how, Blake Snell, while he does have valid points, sounded tone deaf. He's a millionaire who's complaining about, I need to get mine, bro. I'm not going to get the Rona. If I'm going to get the Rona, I need to get mine. But He sounds like a jackass, even though he does have valid points. He sounds like an a-hole. Yeah, but to, to you, I think to, to, to some other people, he may not. To some other people, that just may be a real guy talking about a situation that he's in in the current moment. It's not necessarily Maybe. about you know what the, the perspective, like he even said at the beginning of it, I'm not... You know, I have no problem with what he said, to tell you the truth, because it's just a guy talking. And today, now we're just on live streams all the time and doing these things. So it's just a matter of like literally talking to your buddies. And that's just the way things are. And that's just, you know, that's just the reality of today. The He was talking about it. And even in the beginning said, kind of preempt, I understand what this may look like. I get it. I know what this what this is. But at the same time, I can't not say it. Can't not speak the truth that, that I'm currently in. Um, my only problem with him was that he's like, yeah, I gotta, my, my, I gotta make sure that I could die. This will be in the, my, the rest of my body for the rest of my life. But if you pay me, yeah. I'm good. Right. So his his life is worth three million extra dollars. Yeah. If you if you only give me half of that, I'm not 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 gonna not gonna chance this thing. But I get my full money. I'm out there right now. <laughs> I'm out there. I'm dropping the show. The paddles are on the ground, and I am on the, I am I am throwing some long toss, getting stretched out. Yeah, and make no mistake about it, these the owners and the players can talk about how safety and health is the top concern. It's not, though. Money's the top concern for both sides. Yeah. The only way they're going to get back on the field is if they agree on money. They will make concessions on both sides. They will compromise on the health aspect if the money is okay for them. If you haven't realized, that's that's what's happening throughout the entire country slash world right now because everybody is know, getting very. But we talk about baseball. So no, no, I'm just saying about. like an overall general theme of, of just like the tiresome and and like this the fatigue of being you, you know in this in this pandemic it being uh, away from other people people that are just 
so frustrated with the way that they can't make money or, or earn because of what's happening. So I think there's a real frustration for on everybody's part. And there is definitely a fatigue set that has set in and people are just trying to get it going. And economics at the end of the day is going to drive a lot of what happens, I think, because it's just going to be a big hole for, for certain people to get out of too. I mean, and the other thing is, is we're looking at like, if this thing does happen and they, and they end up going through with this, even though I don't think it's going to happen, it's pretty much the exact same thing that you and I have been talking about for for months now. It's like it's you got to figure out the health thing at the end of the day. Not not so much figure it out, but have have a uh, a, a very solid, uh, not even solid, like definitive plan for if things go bad. That's it. You have to have something that's realistic have to have and that can work. Ready. And I still we still haven't seen that because it doesn't even exist. Doctors, it doesn't exist. It, baseball laid out their health and safety protocols. It was sixty seven pages of long. Utter ridiculousness. Everything from. Everything from where they're going to actually have a testing facility, which is in Utah, they're going to repurpose the PED clinic to uh, like testing clinic to like be be a biogenesis saves the day all the way down to you can't have fighting and spitting on the field. So like they they laid out everything and doctors are like, yeah, this is going to fall apart immediately. I got it. I know what's happening here. I I know what's happening here. A-Rod's been outspoken talking, getting behind the owners. Cousin Yuri is in middle America right now, setting up the lab, getting ready for the tests. Yeah, Cousin Yuri's he's collecting, he's collecting, mopping up the piss all over the He's ready floors. to go. He's ready to go to, to, to get this, uh, this testing phase two. Now, yeah, I know the testing, the testing has to happen and you have to have the health portion figured out, but I, I just can imagine both sides sitting in the room, the, the owners and their lawyers and the players association and their lawyers. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Health, health, health. But like, what about dollars and cents? I, I needs to get mine, right? <laughs> exactly what Blake Snell was saying. The lawyers are saying, and the owners and the, and the Tony Clarks are saying inside that room, I needs to get mine, bro. Well, I mean, yeah, we, we talked about how strong the players association is consistently and how the it's the strongest in all of sports. They don't want to set any precedent that will af- negatively affect them in the future. And and while and this came at a terrible time because the next CBA is right around the corner. Yep. So this is all about setting up for the next CBA. It's it's a it's a interesting it's an interesting case study though when you look at it in a bubble in the sense that this weird shortened season because of something completely nothing to do with the actual sport or the owners or the players or anything having to do with baseball is now going to be affected or how can we make it affect the CBA coming up around the corner because we're, I mean, there is no precedent for this because it's never happened before. If you look at a strike, strikes happen because players or owners are unsatisfied with whatever their agreement is. This had everything to do with just people couldn't do anything because of health concerns mandated by doctors. So yeah. how, how they're going to spin it into some kind of a precedent is interesting because it like from just from an outsider's point of view and like looking at this whole thing go down because I don't know how it would hold up. Like, I, I understand they're going to try to have it hold up and try to lean on certain things. But they don't want to even open the door for that. They Nadal don't want to open the, door. to open the door for that. Nope. And that's where you get this revenue split. Um, so back in March, when the league when the league first shut down, it was decided players agreed that we'll take a prorated salary. And that was agreed upon. But there was contingencies in that agreement that, you know, things could change. We're, this was at the end of March, beginning of April. So much has changed since then. So the owners came back and said, hey, guys, things have changed. We're not going to have fans in the stands this year. That means less money for us. We need to renegotiate. And here's what we're proposing, a 50% split on total revenues. And total revenues, here are our estimates. It could go higher, 
but you're not going to get any less than this. They're, they're wording it so it sounds fair, right? But Tony Clark is coming back and the Players Association is coming back and saying, this is essentially a salary cap and you're using a, the coronavirus health crisis to work in a salary cap because you failed to get a salary cap into the league in every other negotiation we've ever done. So what, what you're getting is two sides who have beef with each other that we're, re- we're going to sit down and fight about all this stuff at the end of 2021 that now they're just like in a room earlier than expected. And they're like, okay, I guess we'll start fighting about it now. That's so I, the, the, the whole Tony Clark, uh, using this as a salary cap thing. Look, I, I see, I, I see both sides of this. I really do. I see both sides of this because, and I hate both sides. Well, well I, both, <laughs> I see it and I, but hate there's, it. but there's parts of it. If you're looking at, I know once I you're understand. inside there, like, let's just look at both parts and just see yeah. which one's fair and which one's not fair. Do you want to play one side? That's fine. I'll, yeah, I could play. I could play. Uh, I'll play the owner. Well, who do you want? I'll play the owner side. Okay, Why not? You, okay, owner. Okay, owner Scott. So I'm I'm coming out saying that we. Hmm, interesting that you 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 side with the owners. I huh? gave you. You think of yourself as an no, owner? I just gave you the. I gave you the cookie. The um. Okay. We the we came to the table in the beginning of this thing not knowing what to expect, and we were. We were willing to go and give a prorated salary based off of what what we already knew, based on revenues that had been in the past, based on based on uh, contracts that were already negotiated. We're honoring that and getting our players through what we thought maybe was going to be the the bulk of this thing. In no way could we have ever anticipated that this pandemic lasts for as long as it does, as long as it has, as long as it's going to have uh, to to be in place. And the fact that zero fans can be allowed in the stadium will affect owners in very different ways through the, through the gate money, through the uh, con- money at concessions, through all of these different aspects that we cannot bring in revenue now. We have to look at what we're paying you guys because it's not the same. The, the comparisons are not the same to when we were at the negotiation table. And at this point, if we're going to get back into this and we want to play baseball... We got to come to some agreement where there's a there's there's a there's a give and take on both sides. I understand all that. So, will you show us your books so we can understand what your losses will be without fans in the stands, and then we can come to an agreement based on that data? Yeah, I'll show you my books. No, the owners <laughs> won't. But uh, yeah, I'll show you my books. The owners are basically saying, "No, trust us. This is what our books say." Yeah, so there's a they have like what an economic feasibility study or whatever across the. Here's the thing: if you start opening books as well, you're going to see very different ones because now you're 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 entering private organizations that are now that that are competing against each other that are now going to open their books to each other. You can't do that. <clears throat> no, but that's like saying bring that's like in saying this, to once you bring in this, like oh, open your books and like you know schmooze it around with your competition. You don't have to open books unless you do this 50-50 revenue uh, split based on revenue because the whole point is, okay, we get a 50% chunk of the revenues. What is the actual revenue? They're just estimating. They're just, tell- they're just telling the players, trust us on good faith. Here's what it's going to be. Why can't we? When we don't actually know, like, okay, I understand you will lose money because there's no fans in the stands. Like that, that's obvious. But what are the actual what are the lines? What are the, what is the bottom line here? Because there's plenty of teams in baseball who operate at like five thousand freaking fans a night. The Marlins have averaged less. Th- I I wrote it down. Um, 
six teams in the league averaged less than 20 fans in 2019. 20,000 20, 20, fans. More, less than. Six teams averaged less than 20,000. Yeah. And the league total averaged, like, it was like 29,000. It, 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 de- it declines every year. It's declined each of the last 10 years. Last year was like 29,000. It was the lowest point in 10 years. Average fa- fan attendance per game. Yet somehow revenues have were an all-time high last year. So if you go, so by, how much does you, really attendance affect revenue? Well, Not that much. If you're going team by team and you start looking at what the what the uh, the payrolls are in Miami or in Kansas City or in some of these other places that may not have a, a big draw at the gate, then you're going to see different comparisons because of. The multipliers aren't there, but it's also probably cheaper. You know, we don't know how much they got their stadium for. We don't know if it's owned, if it's subsidized money. No, I'm not talking about net earnings. I'm talking about revenue. The the owners are saying we're going to lose revenue because there's no fans. But last year was the lowest in 10 years of of paid attendance across the league. And it was the highest ever revenue. Ever. Just because in stadium revenue? Well, that's all public money. That's all public money. That's public. Those are public deals. Right, it's total. But so, what the owners are arguing is we're going to lose money because of no fans in the stands. But what the players are saying is that's not where you make your money. Right. You make your money on TV deals, and guess what? TV's going to be better than ever now. I know it's only half the games, but TV's going to be better than ever. You're going to do an expanded playoff, so more eyeballs and more ad revenue for playoff games because more people watch the playoff games. Shit, you want to expand it even more for playoffs so we can get our money, so I can guess mom, bro? Fine. Every team gets into the playoffs. Like, the players don't give a shit. They just want to get paid. They have to do the same things at the end of the day. At the end of the day, they have to do the same thing to get on the field, right? Owners have to... So the way I think about this at the end of the day... I'm done role-playing, by the way, because I have no more case. Because I agree with the players. Lost. <laughs> but the, here's... Look, the, it's, it's on the... I could, argue, I could argue the owners. It's on the player side. I mean, sorry. It's on the owner's side to figure out the revenue. Honestly. Yeah. Because no one's guaranteeing... When I sign a contract, if I'm a player, I'm not guaranteeing how many people are coming to see me play. Exactly. I, it has nothing it's, to do with that. Absolutely yeah, nothing owners, to do with that. It's on the owners to figure that part out. It's that you gave me this contract. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not controlling your honor, marketing budget or or what you're what you're setting your tickets, uh, your prices at. Like, yeah, maybe there's there's some trickle down where the the tickets go up a little bit if you sign me to a big deal, but not really. It, I don't care. I don't control what you do as an owner for this team. So you need to figure it out. Yeah, this is a weird time, but if you want me to do the exact same thing, I would have to do for full money. Why would I have to do anything different? Why would I get paid less? Right. That's that's yeah, what it is. Go, that's, at the end the of the players, day, they signed a contract to play baseball. That's it. Not 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 have anything to do with tied to who plays or who who watches, how many people watch, where they're being streamed, how far away they got to sit from their buddy, like if they can go to their mouth or not for for a sign. Like none of that is in any contract ever. It's all about you getting ready to prepare to play baseball, then going out there and executing on. Uh, your abilities and playing baseball. I will figure out the rest as the owner. Right. That's it. That's what it comes down to. It's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's either yeah. them saying yes or no. Like they'll agree to and, that and they, they know where that is. Like th- if they budge off of that, now that's a precedent. Now we're talking about other things that that the owners can use in a contract negotiation because now it's not, it has nothing to do with this pandemic, but it has everything to do with the fact that this negotiation is now stemmed away from the ability for them to just play baseball. 
Now it now there's a correlation with them playing baseball and the amount of people in the stands, and they can't have that. And the owners, so from but and then from that's the the players' perspective, and I and I I totally understand that. And then from the owners' perspective, it's like, well, like how you started the argument, circumstances are out of our hands and they've changed throughout the country, and we need to adapt if you want to get. One dollar, because if you don't show up, all you get is that was a hundred and seventy million dollar agreed upon uh, total lump sum that they could distribute to the players how they how they want. Again, right? these are estimates too. Like the, you're, you're no, no, that was that was what they were um, the estimate if they didn't get on the field this year. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, right. Yes, from the beginning. Yes. So the players, you know, divvy that up amongst the players. I don't know how they would divvy that up. I'm assuming based on what what guys are assigned to maybe. I don't know, maybe you'd have like your John Carlos Stantons of the world who are already banked hundreds of millions, a hundred million dollars. Like, you know what? Like give it to the other guys. I don't need the million bucks, but uh, whatever that is. But the owners are saying, well, if you want at, if you want $1, you got to come and play. You got to come and play under our terms because this is, this is what, this is what our, our circumstances are. And the owners have asked the players for other things. Like, the game is in an overall decline as far as popularity. It's not dying. I don't want to make it seem like it's like, I don't want to over exaggerate and say, Oh my God, the, the future of baseball is dire. It's dying. Like, as I just said, TV contracts are higher than ever. So, so obviously people are watching, but the overall popularity of the sport is declining and it has been for a long time. Owners and MLB has tried to, to has approached the players for certain things like, pace of play, different rules to, to increase like the, the, um, what's the word, the, the visibility, not visibility, just the overall like enjoyment of, of the on field product for certain, for certain fan bases. They're, they're who they think they need to attract, which is the younger. They have a bunch of old heads at MLB trying to figure out what young people want to watch. That's the problem. That's one of the problems. That might be one of the problems, but another problem is that. Can you just start talking baseball to baseball players? Baseball players really don't give a crap if they take 31 seconds in between pitches or if they step out of the box seven times and a game takes three hours and 42 minutes. Maybe if the owners were at home more and were were present in their children's lives, they'd know what their children want to see. <laughs> but so it's just, I, 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 I understand the argument on both sides and I think both sides have valid points, but I also think both sides are greedy as hell and they're going to fight tooth and nail until they get the best deal for themselves. It's going to be so hard to get either side to compromise. Look, at the end of the day though, when you when you see both sides like if we think that they have a, a valid point, at the end of the day, there is a contract that a player signed and I, you know, obviously I don't know the 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 small uh detailed print in this in this contract. We all know the um over overarching money and uh and and years, but Everything I know has nothing to do with the amount of people that go into the stands. And if that's the case, and it's not tied to a regional TV deal either, because then their contracts would be even higher because you'd have some kind of an incentive for these, these deals. They're not tied. They're not correlated. So whether you know, they may be correlated in the, and they are correlated in the owner's minds and the, in the, and the guys that are running all the books uh, for, the, for the teams, like they understand where their averages are, where their projections are, what's happened in the past so that they can make you know, uh, good estimated guesses to where their revenues can be in the future. They're, they're basing their contracts off of that too, but that's not the player's problem. It's not their problem. They still have to do the exact same thing. And that's get ready to play baseball. 
and it's going to be a prorated amount. It's not like you're getting paid. To, no, they already agreed to the prorated so it's amount. Not like, but yeah, yeah. So I'm saying like you're still getting you're getting paid for what you're doing. Not getting paid yeah, any extra for the for that. Ga- games played. Right. So it's not half, 80, 81 games played, 50% of your money. Yeah. That's fair. Yes. It should be prorated to the amount of days. Yes. That you're playing for sure. The um, way that they're that spring- structured, us, at least in their contracts, it's not a guaranteed that, contract. That brings us to the health and safety protocols, 67 page document. So I, we talked about it a little bit, but I just want to go through some of the craziness that's in here. So no fighting. Any instigate fighting and instigating fights is strictly prohibited. Players must not make physical contact with others for any reason, unless under a normal and permissible part of game action. So, uh, to that, I would guess like a collision, an accidental collision. Can't do, can't have right? accidents. Can't have accidents. Can't. No, no, no. <laughs> unless it's part of. Right. So if two, if the center fielder and the left fielder collide because they're not calling off each other. It's like, okay, fine. That's, that's acceptable, but you can't, but I mean, Jose Altuve's at the plate and, and uh, Garrett Cole wants to drill him in the middle of the bat. You can't charge me though. You you can do that. You can't <laughs> yeah. charge. So it's free game on the Astros. That's what I see. I like this rule. The Astros can't violations, do anything about it. Violations will result in severe discipline. Jose Batista accidentally got punched in the face. Like things happen. <laughs> he ran into uh roof net O'Dor's fist. Yeah. No finger licking, no spitting, no mascots, no bat and boy. So are we bringing no in pine tar? Is pine tar now legal? Can't, Why? Because you can't get a you can't get moisture on your fingers to to um to, you can't lick your fingers to get a, a grip on the ball. Oh, uh, the rosin the rosin dries your. You probably can't touch the rosin, right? Touch, or you have to swap the rosin every rosin inning? or or yeah, you need some kind of an agent to help you get a better grip. The stickiness get, helps you get a better grip. It, it's got. Maybe each pitcher will have their own little fanny pack of goodies, like rosin, pine tar, sunscreen. Sunscreen. <laughs> yeah. Because you have to apply uh, it, like, you know, if it's more than six feet away from you and it's next to somebody in the dugout, then you're screwed. He can't hand it to you. No, he can't hand it to you. What if you. No swapping of the lineup card. No high fives. No fist bumps. Can't go to restaurants for road teams. You can't shower at the ballpark. You can't sit close in the dugout. You can't touch your face while giving signs. What if my bat touches your bat? What if our swords cross? Done. Hey. <laughs> Done. Hey. Well, you know how some guys kiss their bat. <laughs> can't do that. You definitely can't do can't that. Do what that. if that's like your... Can't lick what if the you, bat? What if you've kissed your bat since you were like in eighth grade? Do you know that gif of A-Rod? It was, a, it was, like, the game, it was like drizzling out and he's drying off his bat <laughs> yeah. in between his legs. Yeah. Can't do that. You can't, uh, you have teams are encouraged to fly in and out of small airports. Players have to isolate in their hotels on the road. Ubers and ride sharing services are discouraged. Players should not eat from buffets or share food with each other. How are they going to do all yeah, this? Yeah, they're not making any money. They got to share plates, of course. So what? So we're not going to pay them their money and then they have to, uh, they have to buy their own meals too. I, I don't understand how you're going to police all this. You're not stuff. going Some to police this any stuff. This is, is, this is like just inherent. This is like the uh, habits of players. This is like the 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 rule where you can't step out of the box, you know, at the play. Like, okay, guys, just so you know, you can't step out of the box. Can't can't step out of the box and like take your time and spin your bat and wiggle your ass. Can't do those things. And then they just do them. Who's going to stop a pitcher from going to their mouth? What are you? What are we going to? So if if we're doing that, this is this is like this is. Kind of the other side of um, 
what do you do when one person gets sick? Okay, what do you do when people continuously go to their mouth because they have to or just because it's routine? Are we stopping the game? Are they ejected? Are they, what happens if they go to their mouth like two times? Is there a warning system? What happens? Yeah, well, see, it's like the going, a pitcher going to his mouth, I think is more realistic than just like a player spitting because that's like, you're standing out in right field. It's like, oh, spit. You know how many times you go to your <laughs> okay. mouth without thinking about it as a pitcher? They probably do it like a thousand times. What I happens? I, I bet if you counted up a, a single game, it's probably, yeah, it's probably hundreds of times. Pitcher goes to mouth. Av- pitcher goes to mouth, throws a fastball. Fastball gets hit to shortstop. There's a runner on first. Now the, the um, shortstop holds the ball, throws it to the second baseman. Second baseman holds the ball, throws it to the first baseman. Now three people have touched, four people have touched it, including the pitcher. The ball is now discarded somewhere. Everybody has touched the ball. Then everybody else goes to their mouth the next the next inning. Or is someone coming out with hand sanitizer? Oh no, you can't have bat boys. So you can't have anybody coming out with hand sanitizer. Better have oh, it on maybe, you. Maybe the hand. Maybe instead of like sunscreen, it's just hand sanitizer. It goes away so, so they fast. Get, so it's, just, it's just alcohol. It gets rid of all tacky. the oil. It's, it's not tacky. It gets rid of everything not. on your hands. That would be like a. That would completely defeat the purpose of any substance. Good try. So doctors have said that. So also part of the plan is testing multiple times a week for players using the facility in Utah, uh, converting the PED testing facility into a COVID facility, instant testing for symptomatic players. Those who test positive will be quarantined until they test negative twice. And those who have not been in contact, excuse me, those who have been in contact with positive tests will have instant testing as well. Doctors have said, this is all like a good effort, but not good enough. Look, I just laid out a really ridiculous scenario for this whole coronavirus thing that happens every day, like multiple times. A pitcher with a, a, a ground ball that's rolled. Like, it, it, there, there's a, that's exposure. That's exposure right there. It is. How do you stop that? You can't. But also baseball, of all sports, baseball in theory, should be the safest because it's the least amount of physical contact. It's not like basketball. You're rubbing up against like each other, like like uh, uh, underneath the basket or, or football. You're just running into each other at full speed. Like baseball should, but, but it's like the little things that I don't even know if a guy licking his fingers, touching the ball, and then throwing the ball, if that's really going to make that much of a difference. I have no idea. But it's like you have to take these But those these are the precautions. rules. Yeah. I know you have to take these precautions and they just don't seem realistic. They're not realistic. I don't They're see, not. If you I don't see how this can happen. You have to be, you have to be, uh, you have to look at, at just how people go through their life. Just at a normal thing. It's like an intuitive process here. All the things that they have listed in this document, a lot of the things are just normal everyday things that people do without thinking. If that's if you can't do those things, if you got to be conscious about not spitting, not licking your finger, imagine how many thoughts are going through your brain. Like, how are you gonna hit a ninety-nine mile an hour fastball? I mean, just there's so many things that you have to think about on the field doing these as well. Now you have to consider all of your your you know your your normal habits that you have to completely shut off. It's just crazy. It's just wild. So John Heyman said, uh, tweeted, he spoke to some baseball folks who said they wondered if one, it's not as safe as they thought, two, it's impractical and not doable, and three, if it's even worth it. I, I'm, this is, th- what I see is that it's not practical, not based on what they're listing in these documents, 
And they're listing in these documents what they have to list in these documents based on what the doctors are saying, right? Like that's why they're yeah. there. It's not because that the doc, it's not because MLB thinks that they should do this to prevent it. No, no, they're consulting with doctors who are saying, nope, can't do this, can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. And when you lay it down and you open that 67 freaking page, you're like, well, we're screwed. We can't stop this. Well, it's also because whether, now whether it, at- that actually is controlling this, the coronavirus or not, like that has nothing to do with it. But the fact that you have to have this mandated book and these set of principles and rules in order to get on the field, if that's what has to happen and you have to abide by these, you're, you're screwed. Can't happen. Right. And if they do go out there and play under these guidelines, we're going to catch the first pitcher out there licking his fingers. Like the cameras Everybody. are going to catch that. Everyone in, in, is going to be watching at home. There's going to be a thousand little clips of it on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere. And then it's a whole big deal. The next morning, like the New York Times has an article. Uh, Garrett Cole licks his fingers, throws ball, might have infected the entire league. It's like, oh, okay, now what? No, I, I see this going down a path that's not good. And So here's my question. Because they want to get like this mid-June spring training and, and an early July start date. We're now it's May 18th. When's the drop dead date? I don't know. Um, it's, it's coming up, it's, right? It's got to be coming up. They can't. They can't keep dicking around for for the next no. two months. It's been. It's been, well. They 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 met for the first time last Tuesday, and all that's happened is <laughs> like media leaks of of fighting. That's all that's happened in the last week. Yeah, and and this has been this has been the strategy from MLB side too. Like th- this is nothing new. Like, they've been doing this now for really since Manfred's been around. Like they've leaked stuff consistently so this is their way of of kind of feeling out the crowd or setting bear traps uh if you're looking at it that way too like there's this is this is how they've done business for the past you know two years they've they've leaked things so that the public can have a reaction then they gauge what that reaction is and then they do whatever they do behind the scenes make another battle that never it like almost never works if they keep doing it well and now now that everybody understands not it's not just like certain people know whether like now everybody understands that you're just leaking information to leak information you know, little boy, the crowd wolf at some point is going to happen and nobody's going to believe a goddamn word you say. And then, then what? Like, then we get people not coming to the parks. And it's like the same trusted sources that they go to every time. Jeff Passan, Ken Rosenthal, Buster only like all the, it's all the same major news reporters who, who come out little trickle, little triple, like, okay, let's give Rosenthal this. Let's give Passan this. Let's give Jason Stark this. Let's give John Heyman this. Let's give Joel Sherman this. And then it all compiles together. Everyone fights with each other. Blake Snell goes on Twitch. Alex Rodriguez makes a stupid video. Mark Teixeira makes a stupid comment on ESPN. Tony Clark comes out and says this. And here we have it's it's explosion of of shitstorm bad PR per usual with MLB. Yeah, I don't know how you fix this, man, because this is uh, this this is like literally nothing has changed. All of this noise, and and at the end of the day, there's no difference. There's no difference to where we are. We're not. We're not. We're in a place where owners are saying one thing and players are saying another thing, and they're very far off. And at the end of the day, they have to satisfy the doctors, and they're not going to. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, BetOnline.ag. NASCAR is back, and BetOnline has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get you in on. 
You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 hours, seven days a week. Or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament that you can enter for free. And coming up next Sunday on Bet Online has ex-Chicago Bulls Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to join them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling After the Dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about was what if some players choose not to play? Because that's a realistic possibility. Sure. Rob Manfred was on CNN. He said, we hope we will be able to convince them that it's safe. If there are players with health conditions or players with doubts, we will not force them to come to work. So there's going to be, you know, Sean Doolittle had a long Twitter thread about why he has concerns. His wife has some health issues. And other guys, uh, Mike Trout, Garrett Cole, Zach Wheeler are all, their wives are having babies this summer. So obviously there's there's a desire to be home for that, but also a health issue with with that. Um, Bryce Harper has ex- has expressed some concerns with, with this. So like... If you have players who decide not to come, what's going to happen with them? Are they going to get paid? Well, the union says that anybody with a pre-existing condition, that's just like if you if you tear your arm in spring training. You're still under contract. You can still get paid. If you blow out your knee, you go on the disabled list. Well, guess what? You still get your money. That has nothing to do with their families or anything that's that's uh, you know, within their circle. I mean, take look, let's just say I was a major league baseball player for, for conversation's sake, because there are these guys that are in the league. I know of at least two or three players that have a child with uh, HLHS, similar to what Kemp has, hypoplastic left heart syndrome. And these, these kids uh, that have this, this, uh, this heart condition amongst other uh, conditions that kids have that are just more easily exposed to illness they have, uh, you know, they, they have to take extra precautions. Like for this one, we 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 have been we've had to stay very closed off because of the autoimmune. Like it, he's got a an immune system that is not the same as everybody else. So if he if Kemp were to catch something, if he were to get coronavirus that attacks the uh, the um, the respiratory system, it would be a very 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 big problem for him and us. So what about those guys? What about the ones that have kids that have an issue? It's not a pre-existing condition for their medically, for, for them to be medically cleared or not be medically cleared, but they now have a family member, a, a child that has something like this. What if a kid has severe asthma? There, the list goes on and on with with uh, with with kids that could potentially be at higher risk. And I understand that this thing attacks more, uh, the, the the population um, higher in the uh, in higher in age, but there are considerations. You can't chance it. You can't just chance it. Like oh okay well that's the case but maybe this one this one time where if it does you know uh, get on or you know get contracted by a, a smaller uh, a younger kid who has an autoimmune disorder then what then what well we've only talked about the players but <laughs> they're really not even the ones yeah. that are at the highest risk and they're they're in a in a sense the best to deal with it because they're young healthy athletes there's plenty of people who are higher at risk, like all the co- a lot of coaches, the coaching staffs, the training staffs, the grounds crew people, everyone that would be involved in putting on a game at a field, like they're all at higher risk. They're not making nearly as much money. They're making 
a modest salary like the rest but, of the general. But the reality public. of that, the re- and they have families too who might have health. The issues. The reality of that situation, as much as it's as it's not the the right thing to say, is those people are replaceable. Whereas the baseball players that have superior talents and like are are, are you know are dumb on the field, just have like these insane abilities to hit a baseball and throw a baseball, cannot be replaced. That's the difference. You're right. You're 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 absolutely right. But- I could go out there and coach these guys right now. I could I could be Joe Torre and made it some relationships. I could do this. But I would not be able Scott. to go because I because of myself. You have Scott Proctor on speed dial. <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying like those the, you know you know uh, feelings aside, sorry, but they are replaceable. Yeah. Uh, a big issue also is if players uh don't show up what happens with service time for some guys because the the owners don't care if they if the players agree to that 50% revenue split. You can do whatever you want with that money. We don't care what that money's gone once it's gone. So however you want to divvy it up, divvy it up amongst the players, whether they show up or not, we don't really care. But we're not giving service time to a guy who doesn't show up because that affects us down the line. Right. Well, I mean, kind of makes sense. But if they were injured, they would get service time. It's true. And the union is saying this is the same thing as an injury. Yeah, they're jockeying for position here. This is they're, they're, everybody's everybody is like throwing bows, trying to get in the paint, ready to grab that rebound. They're all setting themselves up and they're just going to continue to do that until they have to. I mean, I, I, I hope at some point there is some kind of a mandated cutoff. Like, let's we got to figure it out in this window. If we don't have an agreement by this one, I don't know who sets that window, though. Like you can't. Well, they, they're saying July, early July is a season starts so we can get in 80, 80 ish games. Yeah, but what if the concession games. is OK? We can do this with 40 games. When does exactly when does that become exactly? Thing? Then where? What if they say, "Well, we just we rather make some money than no money, so let's play a thirty game tournament in August because that's all we can do." Yeah. I don't want that. I, I don't want it to drag on for. Uh, it cannot drag on for that. Like you just we need. <laughs> it's going to though probably. If it doesn't happen, yeah. it's going to drag on. W WBC is canceled for next year, right? Like, here we go. W- yeah, they they rescheduled it to twenty twenty three. I know you're devastated. I am that. devastated. This is brutal, brutal. Why do you have to skip a whole other year? Why are we skipping um, two years? Well, I think what they're also setting up for is that if the season this year goes late, then they're going to want to have guys. They don't want to have guys come back even earlier because there's already uh, an injury concern with the WBC because you're playing more intense games earlier in the year than you normally would. Yeah. Now, if you don't end until mid to late November and you're playing games in March, that ma- that quote matter. The 2021 season will probably be delayed as well. Maybe Put, it might have to be shortened to. Or it might have to be shortened to 142 games or something like that. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Bryce Harper sort of laid out something on Instagram. I'll go through it quickly. I also want to talk about A-Rod and, and Teixeira's co- um, comments because, you know, two guys who always took less money to uh, just for the good of the game. Um, so Bryce Harper, quickly, he, he, uh, he has an idea to save baseball. You ready for this? Yep. He wants to set it up east and west like the NBA. Play 31 days in July, 31 days in August, 30 days in September, 31 days in October, and 15 days of regular season in November. That equals 135 games. You have an off day every two weeks on a Monday and Sunday doubleheaders of seven innings. 30 players, six-man rotation, so you can save arms. He says, it's not a big deal if we don't want to do this, and we can also have the DH. Playoffs. He wants to make it like a college World Series. Super Bowl week slash college World Series for the playoffs. Here we go. Ten teams, round-robin tournament in Texas or wherever stadium you can find 
three-game series, you win, you move on. If you lose, you play the other loser in a one-game wild card. Or you could play it in Vegas. He's from Vegas. Everyone can bunk at his parents' house in Vegas, maybe. Economic stimulation. I wonder how much uh, Or money everyone Vegas, just goes to the Bellagio. Yeah, how much money did Vegas give him to, to uh, send this tweet out or Instagram? You get down to two games, you play seven, or two teams, you play seven game World Series. But uh, talking about pushing the season back, he said you could back up the next two years so you could have room for this. So maybe a May 1st, 2021 start and an April 1st, 2022 start. Bryce Harper just saved the sport, people. Well, he's backing up two years, and but 22 is on April 1st. Oh, because we've moved forward to March now. April 1st is like a pushback. Yeah, opening day was supposed to be March 26th. Yeah, I mean, I guess. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm glad how he addressed you know the reason why we're here. This <laughs> is really good, really good plan here. Well, Bryce Harper's not paid to worry about health and safety. He's he doesn't worried, even know he's what city he's in. Getting eyeballs, eyeballs on on. The, I can't wait to bring the back the parade to DC. I mean, he this, did this, it, this is he did it. He was a man of his word. He did do it. You're right. He did do it. How did he know? How did he know? I, I mean, it's kind of. Is that the, what we have to do? Um, we have to ship someone out. To make some stupid amount of money over an elongated contract that really I don't understand. So that they can bring the championship back to the place where they were? It feels like an A-Rod yeah. move. That feels like an A-Rod. That's a very A-Rod move. Guaranteeing What do that- you think of A-Rod and Teixeira's comments? Because so Teixeira said he would take pennies on the dollar to play this year. To, to just give the people. It's, the, it's your American duty to give the people some entertainment and he would take pennies on the dollar to do that this year yeah and a rod says that we should agree to their 50 50 split because the owners are are in a really tough go and i want to be an owner someday so uh we need to 50 50 split i don't even know who the hell that is in that impression at the end of it it's like it's not even i don't even know where that was going um yeah to took a lot less money to go play for his hometown in baltimore right play for the orioles mm-hmm. big big uh big big believer in the people Definitely. And Alex Rodriguez, the top earner of all time ever for, for players. Yeah. Still trying to earn that dollar, baby. That's what he's doing. He's trying to get his. He's, I love the, the video of it's, what was it? Was it like a, a social media post of him making a more formal video? Cause he was definitely getting the, the A-Rod hand movements, like directed at a camera. And then there was like a, you know, a behind the how scenes. Many takes, how many takes do you think he does for those? I don't, I think it's probably one to two takes, but he's practicing in the mirror in like a dressing room for a solid two hours <laughs> it's like he wakes up early j j-lo's like what are you doing what are you doing honey he just goes, I, I gotta I memorize gotta my lines today. i gotta do something. gotta memorize my lines he writes out he writes out a script uh and just you know the pullout stuff okay. is up there in the he's course. not writing he's out he's got the s's yo, he, he's got the s's you know those s doodles that you did the 3d s's he's got like a million of those on the page he's not writing out his script okay you think someone wrote that genius? Oh, uh, you th- that genius post for him? Yes, I think every everybody writes something for him. The words that come his out daughters? of his mouth are not like actual thoughts; they're just a script. He's a, he's like uh, the Truman Show. <laughs> <laughs> I I just find there's just so much tone deafness going on. It's all calculated. And, and- it's not tone deafness because they know the tone. They're not deaf to it. They understand what they're saying. They know that the is, words that, that are coming out of the mouths. This is all calculated. This is all, hey, can you please say something? Just like Adam Jones implored the players to go speak up, say something, go out there. And then you get all of a sudden a bunch of players talking. Like there are guys that be like, yo, let's go rally the troops. Owners are talking to A-Rod. 
listen, Alex, if you want to be, I don't even know why I'm talking like that as the owner. If you want to be like one of us, you got to stand on your podium and deliver the goods to the people. So, you know, Teixeira is probably the same way. You don't think Teixeira wants to get in an owner's box someday? Guarantee he does. These guys are all trying to get up the corporate ladder on the back of the baseball side and they got to do their jobs. They got to do their jobs. They're mules. They got to get the word in. It's very hypocritical when players just immediately switch sides after retirement because they want to get into some front office position or an owner position. What has A-Rod done that's not hypocritical? I know. (laughs) Like, name one thing. I know. I I know. I'm just saying it's hypocritical. It's pretty much on brand. Are we headed for a work stoppage? I mean, we're in a work stoppage. What are we? No, no, no. I'm saying, like, are we headed for when the next CBA is need to be negotiated? Are we headed for something where they don't get it negotiated on time because they're just each so far apart on key issues? I I don't think so because I have a feeling what's what's going to happen as well is they're going to understand if we if there doesn't if they don't come to an agreement now they're going to they're going to absolutely see what the economic impact is on both sides of a work stoppage because it's currently happening. Doesn't matter the reasons it's it's, it is happening. So, well, they're going to lose fans because if they don't play this year and they will lose fans, if they don't come to an agreement at at the next CBA thousand percent, you don't, you don't think they would lose fans if they don't play this year. And the, and the real reason is money. I mean, they could hide behind that. It's not safe to come back to work, but the, but the reality is, it's money that is preventing them from being on the field right now. Not right now, but like for July 1st. It's really, if, if, if they could get on the same money page, they could figure out the you, health You side. keep saying that though, but, but the thing is, is like, yeah, they could figure out the money part, but they still haven't figured out the health part for them to get past the doctors. But they would, ag- they would agree to whatever the doctors say. Okay. They, whatever the but, doctors but that's say, the point. they will the say, the doctors okay, are saying that this that. is not going to work. So they'll go to a doctor and be like, sign off. Tell us point one to one million what we need to do and we're going to sign off on it on the bottom line we're not even going to read the fine print <laughs> but we will figure out the money side and that's all we care about right i truly believe that whether i'm whether you think that's like too simplistic or you think it's just like cynical or whatever it is i i really believe that look if i that money is preventing them from agreeing money is preventing them from getting to the point where they can agree on the health or get to that point Money is definitely yeah. stopping them from getting to that point if that point is possible. So there still is work to be done after the money, but the money's got to be figured out before anything else can be figured out. So yes, you're not wrong in that sense. Like there are two sides of this and the money is a game stopper. There's no doubt whether they have the health figured out or not. So they, I, I look, I think there will be some effect. Like, yeah, there's going to be some percentage of people that probably don't come back because they're they're losing interest. People are changing habits now like it's happening so uh there's well, there's also, going we're, to be we're, that <laughs> unlike 94 95 when they came back the economy was doing okay when baseball comes back we're gonna be in a recession yeah and 30 million plus people are out of work right, right. now so they're less likely to spend on extracurricular fun activities like going to a Yankees game. And those things, because now all of a sudden media deals are going to start being renegotiated, all of a sudden like streaming deals, like all of these things, if that does, if that's the case, if that's the kind of the long tail effect of we see what's happening here, all that stuff is going to at some point be renegotiated or they're going to stop. There's going to be problems with contracts. And when you start seeing those things, and maybe the owners are trying to anticipate that for for not paying out all this money at the same time, like they understand what's around the corner. Advertisers also not around. 
Why? Because people aren't spending money. Advertisers have basically ceased a lot of them in, in, in many areas. There is a much bigger effect to what's happening here than just the owner and just the player. So yeah, there could be a, there will be a long uh, trickle down effect for this. And if they have a work stoppage based on them not coming to an agreement on the economics, purely economics for the next CBA, hell yeah, there's going to be a, there's going to be a backlash. All right, you want to talk about some Yankees things? Sure. <laughs> so Aaron Judge will be ready in the summertime. He was supposed he could have been ready for opening day on March 26th, but now he's ready in the summertime. Yeah. That that rib that rib was healing slower than they thought. Yeah. You surprised at all by the fact that they were just way off on their injury time? Well, no, but we we, we kind of talked about this the last the last show in the sense that he hasn't done the same things that he would have done if there were a, you know, early April, early May comeback plan for him. So they're, they're basically, I think, coming what into, did we, they're coming, they're, they're, they're also considering like how he's ramping up. He's still going to have to ramp mm-hmm. up slowly. Yeah. I just, again, they said it was not too serious and maybe and it's not clearly not the case. It's still not a serious injury. Again, I the beholder here. If, if I could just like, have them not say anything about injuries. I would totally take that over them downplaying injuries and then having that be just completely not true. Doesn't that frustrate you? I guess I'm numb to it at this point. It's like I'm numb to a lot of things, but I don't, I don't expect them to divulge all of the information on the health of their players to the fans. Like it's not, they don't have to do that, but they give these vague not too serious or he's he should be ready for this date they throw this out there and then they're just always wrong and it frustrates me because that gives us something to report and i understand media needs to report they're also asking points they're asking questions directly to this like the is it a serious injury or is it not a serious injury well it's not too serious how do you answer that question yeah it's a serious injury we're still evaluating I mean, I guess they're not though. Like it's, that's, that wasn't the question. Excuse me. Can you answer the question? The power of not was it serious anything. or not too serious? Brian Cashman. I, I mean, it's, it's said, a, stick. Michael stick. Michael said to him, his advice was no comment. Be vague. Oh yeah. That the power that will fly the power well of no, media. the power of no comment over, over no comment. The speculation over a no comment on a Aaron judge you can't be wrong. Rib injury. Though. But you can't be wrong. But you could, if you say no comment, you can't be wrong. Can't be right, but you can't be wrong. You also can't be. Is that a song? You can't be controversial. Is that a song? I don't know. But you're also gonna stir up the papers and stir up the the, the papers. You're gonna stir up the papers. Does anyone read the paper? Anymore? I don't know. Um, so the draft is gonna be held. It's gonna be five rounds. It's gonna be held on June 10th. Uh, five rounds, which is um, much lower than the 40 rounds normally. Uh, and then players are going to go um, passed over. Players could be signed for $20,000 maximum. So th- you're going to have a lot of players who are deciding, do I want to just go sign with the team for $20,000 or just hold out till next year's draft? I'm assuming they're going to hold out till next year's draft. But I wrote an article comparing the Yankees to other teams. How have they drafted compared to other teams? Because when I, I also wrote two articles. I, I wrote one about redrafting the 2000s and redrafting the 2010s. And the exercise there was, 
who did the Yankees take with their top one or two picks? But And who was there that they could have taken? And like, what would those what-if scenarios have been? And like, for example, in, uh, I believe it was 2011, the Yankees took Dante Pachette Jr. And then the next pick, Tampa took Blake Snell. Yeah, that one. So we, we could have had, I got mine. I need to get mine, bro, with the next pick. But they took Dante Pachette Jr. And that's just like a what-if moment. Like, what if the Yankees had taken Blake Snell instead of Pachette Jr.? But what I realized he is wouldn't like, have been able to, he wouldn't he would not have been able to be on Twitch to make those comments. Exactly. Yeah, that's much. a good point. <laughs> but what I realized is like the Yankees have not had many many guys come out of the draft. Like a lot of their young players that we like to talk about right now are international signees or trades. Aaron Judge is really the the key guy. He was drafted in in the uh, supplemental round in 2013 and like that's turned out to be a fantastic Brett pick. Gardner. Brett Gardner. Yeah, he's the other one. Thanks for thanks for ruining uh, what I was about to talk oh, about. Oh, sorry. So I wanted to compare the Yankees to uh, how they've done. But it's not fair to compare the Yankees to like the Rays, right? Because the Rays were a terrible team for a long time, always picking at the top of the draft. They never signed free agents, so they don't lose picks. If anything, they're getting compensation picks. So I compared the... I was like, okay, we got to compare the Yankees to teams that win, but also teams that spend. Okay. And it's really a class of three. Yankees, Dodgers, Red Sox. All of those teams have won, on average, at least 89 games since 2000. The Yankees have won 94 games since 2000. Red Sox, 90. Dodgers, 89. St. Louis has won 91. But the the Cardinals have never exceeded the luxury tax. The Yankees have exceeded the luxury tax the most. They've spent $326 million in tax. The Dodgers are the second. They've spent $150 million in tax. And the Red Sox are third. $50 million in tax. The next team is Detroit, $9 million in tax. Guess what, Detroit? You're not in the same league as those other three teams. So I compared the Dodgers, Yankees, and Red Sox. First rounders since 2000. Guys who have made all-star teams. For the Yankees, Phil Hughes and Aaron Judge. Did you look at, did you look at uh, the miss it? Like how many of these guys uh, became just like mediocre? Yes. Okay. Um. So what I what I basically in your whatever the first round or supplemental round so basically a top fifty pick, what happened with those guys? And I said it was a a successful pick if you made an all star team with that team. Would you agree with that? Um, that's a home run pick. If you draft a, home a guy run, in the first I mean, that's round, that's like a that's like a phenomenal like. If you draft a guy in the first round and he makes an all star team, that that's you did your job. I mean, you could mind. almost you could almost say that if he makes the major leagues, you've you've done your job because he's progressed no. in the way that he's gotten there. I don't because think of so, the because percentage some, of players. some of those guys who have made the major leagues are pretty. Shit. But my point is, is, if you look at the percentage of players that are drafted in the first round, and then how many of them have actually made the major leagues, like that percentage is still small. It's it's low, and I have those numbers as well. But I basically said it's a home run pick if you made an All Star team, okay. and the Yankees have had two: Phil Hughes, two thousand four, and Aaron Judge, two thousand thirteen. Home run picks. The Red Sox have had four. Jacoby Ellsbury, 2005. Clay Buckholtz, 2005. Jackie Bradley Jr., 2011. Uh, Andrew Benintendi, 2015. Benintendi hasn't actually made an all-star team, but he's 24 years you can, old. So you I'd, can I'd consider that a win. That's a win. The Dodgers have had three. Clayton Kershaw, 2006. Corey Seager, 2012. Walker Bueller, 2015. So really, four, three, two, it's not that much different, right? It's not that much. If you look at the caliber of player, though, 
Yeah, but also Clayton Kershaw was taken seventh overall. That's the difference. That's the big difference is that the Yankees have nothing in the top. You know, nope. there's, no, there's nothing there at the top of the They're draft. always drafting at the end of the round or they're losing their first round pick because they signed But somebody. at the same time, you look at what the Dodgers did. I mean, they, they turned those three picks to three pretty goddamn good players with Kershaw, they're, Seager, and, and uh, Walker Buehler. The biggest difference of the first rounds is that guys who just progress through the system to make the major leagues for at least one day, the Red Sox have had 12 players, the Dodgers have had eight, and the Yankees have had, where's the number? I think it was five. Five. So the Yankees have had far fewer guys make the majors from the first or supplemental round than those other teams. And we're not even talking about good players. We're talking about like mediocre players at best. Or or just like a middle reliever that came up and, and pitched like a day and then went back down. Here's where though the, the teams get separated. It's in the mid round. I was gonna say the 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 scouting departments and the and the the back office guys, the the analytics guys or the scouts make their monies. They make those monies, they get spades in the mid rounds. Cause now you're looking at talent and evaluating talent. There's so many goddamn players that if you can identify hundreds there, of players, yeah, hundreds of players. So I looked, I said mid rounds is rounds two through 14. And I guess two is not considered mid round, but I distinguished first round to second round because like so much emphasis is put on your first or supplemental pick. And then second round to 14 rounds. That's mid rounds. Like hundreds of players are in the, in that grouping. The Yankees have had two really good mid round picks. Brett Gardner in 2005, Delon Batances in 2006. Fantastic picks. They've also dressed, drafted guys like Tyler Clippard, Austin Jackson, Austin Romine, John Ryan Murphy, Adam Warren. Those guys have provided depth or they've traded those guys to get good players in return. The Red Sox have really separated themselves in, this, in these rounds. Kevin Euclid, 2001, John Lester, 2002, Jonathan Papelbon, 2003, Mookie Betts. 2011. Mookie Betts was what, fifth All of round? The, yeah, fifth round. All of those guys are either MVP caliber in Mookie Betts uh, category or John Lester Cy Young category or guys who were on champion, major players on championship teams, Euclid and, and Papelbon. The Dodgers, Matt Kemp, Jock Peterson, Alex Verdugo, Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger, fourth round. So Cody Bellinger, fourth round, Mookie Betts, fifth round. Have the Yankees produced players of those calibers from the mid rounds? Not even close. No, but those are, I mean, those are anomalies, those, those two players from, from that. that. But that is also identifying the talent. And then the, there, <clears throat> excuse me, there is some part of this where baseball players just, you're, you're picking these guys out of, out of college and then they're not seeing anything for the next four years, three or four years earliest yeah. right so it's all it's also like a matter of their progression it's like you got to be able to see into the future to look at their frame to look at like just the certain things that you can try to anticipate of what they're going to be later it's such an art form to to like find a baseball player that can project you know into your long-term plans and actually work uh, it's 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 just one of those things that's why there's so many goddamn scouts and then i looked at late round darts you just throw shit against the wall and see what sticks the Yankees have drafted Phil Coke, David Robertson, and Shane Green in the late rounds. All decent guys, especially Robertson. He turned into a stud. The Red Sox got Josh Reddick and the Dodgers' Russell Martin as late round, late round darts. Yeah, so and Shane Green is, 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 a, is a, uh, a closer now in the major leagues, and he's been an effective closer. And David Robertson was a great closer for many years. Yes. Um, Josh Reddick turned into a, a solid 
fourth outfielder, and Russell Martin is a starting catcher, <laughs> like to this day. Yeah, a starting Russell catcher. Martin is yeah. So when you look at it's like the number of players, the big difference is really those mid rounds where the Red Sox and the Dodgers have gotten MVP studs. Is that luck? Maybe, but also both of them have found MVP studs in those mid rounds. Yeah, I understand that. The, the, I mean, you can you can look at it as well. <clears throat> the, the Yankees did sign Aaron Judge in thirteen at thirty two overall. I know it's in the first round draft. Yeah, what did I say? Signed, signed. So, um, but he's not a top ten guy. Like you see those top ten guys within the MLB draft of like the, or like the no doubters of the year, right? So of Judge course. was You've a got guy. Your that drafts they, where Bryce Harper goes one, Manny Machado goes three. Yeah. It's like yeah, but Judge okay. was, they they took a risk at hit, taking him at that point because they saw something that a lot of people, a lot of teams, almost every team didn't. So you, when you're looking at that in that way as well, like they identified that talent and and, and yeah, Mike Trout was taken twenty fifth overall and wasn't <laughs> even the Angels' first pick in that in the year's draft. Right. They took Randall Grichik before they Who's took a pain in the ass. Mike Trout, a pain in the ass. So, yeah, it's not an exact science. It's not like the NBA or the NFL where these guys are obvious even the and they NFL. make an immediate, immediate impact. But, like, those guys can make an immediate impact. Yes. You draft a player in baseball, if everything goes perfectly, he might debut in year three. <laughs> if, if you're on a really good team and he's fast-tracked as a pitcher, maybe year two, bullpen. Maybe. Postseason. Right. September call. Yeah, lightning on a bottle kind of pick. But yeah, so no, it's, I'm not it's a saying the Yankees thing. have been much worse than these teams, but they've been worse than the Red Sox and Dodgers at drafting. The, here's the, so we've, I think we've seen some significant changes in the way that Yankees have gone through their minor leagues over the past six to seven years. I was going to say five years. Okay. But the biggest problem for the Yankees to me has been their development because I think they've had talent that they've screwed up. And this, this list could be very different if, if the development was, uh, not the way it was, you know, if Jabba Chamberlain became a guy that was, Oh yeah. I thought you were talking about recently, but yeah, Jabba Chamberlain, obviously he was, he should, he was a supplemental round pick. Yeah. I'm looking beyond the six, have the, that six year, success. that six year mark, like outside that, who have they screwed up? And there's a long list. Well, you could say they've screwed up Ian Kennedy because they took Ian Kennedy in the first round. He stunk with the Yankees and then ended up being a pretty good pitcher in Arizona. Yes, but they also they, there was a fatigue set in with him as well. Like you could only stand by a guy for so long. Whose fault is that? And then he progressed. I don't. It, it, it could be nobody's fault because, look, he's not that good. I mean, he's okay. <laughs> he's not like he was a stud that came out that was like this. Oh my god, I can't believe they passed on that talent. No, he's a he's a mid rotation starter though. And if you get a mid rotation starter out of a draft, like that's a that's a good draft. Pick. Yes, but it did take him a very long time to get to that point. And some guys can just. It, their bodies or, or their, the, the way that they progress can be longer. Do I think that the Yankees like, probably uh, did all of the things that they could have to, to make these guys as best as they could, especially in that class? No, not at all. And that's, that's my, kind of my point. Like That six- to seven-year window, like, there have things that have started to change in the development stages. I think we're going to look at the Yankees, say in three years from now, we might look at this differently because they took Jordan Montgomery in the fourth round. That could turn out to be really good. And in the first round with their picks recently, they have guys like Clark Schmidt, um, Anthony Siegler, and Anthony Volpe, who are all on their uh, top 30 prospects. Siegler and Volpe, so though, are, are both guys that have pretty, pretty long way to go. And also high potential of doing absolutely nothing. Of course. But if, if one of those, if you 33%, if you bat 33%, 
So if Clark Schmidt turns into a major league starter, then you're one out of three of your last three first-round draft picks. Boom. Fine with that. Yeah. That's such a shitty percentage when you're talking about like the, the young but talent. It's high. And the top. I, it's high. I know. It's I know. High. Just when you look at the how you can you just miss sucks? that easily. <clears throat> the year they took James Caprellian, they took James Caprellian, um, I think, 17th overall. Yeah. Walker Bueller went 24th. Do you overall. remember when I was like, as soon as they drafted him, I started making the Mark Pryor comparisons. Like literally like the three seconds after they drafted him, I was like, oh, this is not going to be good. What are you doing? And the real bad news is they ended up getting Sonny Gray out of him. Ugh. <laughs> so if you guys are interested in reading more in depth about what I wrote, um, the article is called How Have the Yankees Drafted Compared to Other Teams? It went up a few days ago. And then there's links also to the redraft of the 2000s and the 2010 redraft. Um, with the draft coming up, I just figured I'd do a deep dive on it. It was a, it was a fun exercise. There's some definite like, oh man, gut punches on the, on the redrafts because they just took guys who didn't even amount to anything. And then like three picks later, it's like Adam Wainwright. It's like, ah, God damn it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're going to see that everywhere. Obviously in baseball, it's probably going to be a lot more prevalent just because there's so many guys and, and there's so many things that happen in a career that. You, it's amazing though the uh, thousands of players are taken in the draft and like 40 are like names you recognize so the yeah. percentage is so low yeah man like if your kid just if your parents if your kids are good at multiple sports and they're really good at some things like tr- baseball is a tough sledding man tough sledding there's just so much that can go wrong in the like in the in at the any point 20, 20 to twenty three year old development time, didn't John Olerud spend the least amount of time in the minors before getting called up? Isn't doesn't John Olerud have that record? I don't know who has that record. Um, it could be um, John Olerud. John Olerud was a very good player. John Olerud was one of those like very pure guy. You do you remember the comparisons between John Olerud and Greg Bird? I remember Greg that. Bird was a mid-round draft pick. I remember those. Com- remember those comparisons. That was maybe Greg Bird needed to wear a helmet the entire time, and it would have been better. Maybe he needed to wear a hard shoe. Both helmet and a hard shoe, just protect both the noggin and the foot. John Olerud was a great hitter. He was a phenomenal hitter, pure, like just beautiful, beautiful swing. Good first baseman too. Could pick it with the helmet on. Um, so kind of talking about uh, building teams and stuff, uh, Yankee, former Yankees GM Bob Watson died over the weekend, and he was the GM after Stick Michael before Brian Cashman. He was sandwiched in between those guys. So he was the GM for the 96 and 97 season. Some, some moves that you're going to recognize that he made that like certainly contributed to the championship years. Like Stick Michael is credited for like the foundation of the dynasty, but... But Watson made some savvy moves. So he acquired Joe Girardi in 1995. He acquired Tino Martinez and Jeff Nelson in, in 1995. That's a big deal. That's, that's a, is that payback <laughs> for Jay Buhner? It's, it's a huge deal. Um, he traded for Tim Raines, who, who was a part of the 96 team. He traded Kenny Rogers to Oakland for Scott Brocious. That's phenomenal. Yeah. He, got Mar- he signed Mariano Duncan. He signed Dwight Gooden even though that was a George Steinbrenner request and he signed Mike Stanton and David Wells. So a lot of, a lot of good solid moves in there for Bob, Bob Watson. I mean, big moves. That Tino deal was, was a, 
That was that's his that's his Mona Lisa move. Oh, for sure. Uh, you look at they also got Jeff Nelson in that, who was also a huge contributor to these championships. And and who they gave up the the Russ Davis, who was the young I mean, third Sterling, baseman. Sterling Hitchcock Sterling was Hitchcock a, turned into a solid pitcher. He was a good pitcher with the Yankees. I mean, he was a but but he's a a, a number four. I rather three, have four. Tino. I rather have Tino and Jeff Nelson. But they also made that trade. Uh, that, that that Tino like coming off of the Seattle booting them, the whole Mattingly fiasco, like that was a ballsy well, trade. You had to identify, I don't know how much, so I know um, um, Pinella had a, had a part in this. Pinella recommended Tino, said Tino can handle um, New York. coming in after Don Mattingly yeah. because not everyone could do that. Right. Yeah. And that- sort of like what Didi did with Jeter. Like it takes a certain kind of personality to be able to handle that kind of pressure. And it didn't go well in the beginning either. Like at some point, but Pinnell was like, what out. am I doing? I can't believe he I made this out. request. He did figure it out. Thankfully, he figured it out. Uh, but that's a ballsy move in 95 to make that, to make that move. And Sterling Hitchcock was definitely, you know, one of the high socks, big, big high sock guy, was, uh, was one of the, you know, up-and-comers that the Yankees were excited about. And they hadn't been excited about a lot of players, especially a lot of young players at that point. So the ballsy move. So um, some other things about Watson. He was the first African-American GM to ever win a World Series, and he scored baseball's one millionth run. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, you finished the last dance yet? Yes. I was casually watching. I didn't, I, didn't watch, I didn't watch the last two parts, so no spoilers, please. Okay, I won't tell you what happened. Um, <laughs> it was good, though. It was a... You know, everybody needed something, and this really did fill a void. Yeah, but next week they got the Lance Armstrong thing starting. So ESPN's going back-to-back with these documentaries. They got they got a bunch of things lined up. Did you see the one? There's one about uh, the home run Yeah, race. they're doing the McGuire-Sosa thing. Uh, they have uh, a few other ones there. Are they doing, like, a whole thing on PEDs? I think it's just that, not that season. I think it's more around no, that season. No, 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 I'm saying because they're doing a Lance oh. Armstrong one. They're just looking for polarizing doing- stories, I think. Right, because people are like, oh, ESPN needs to make a Jeter Core 4 docuseries. Like, there's no controversy there. Yeah, they, uh, they went out, they won, they're all really good friends. They went home and watched, uh, video, you know, VHS. Uh, no, they went, to the, they went to the clubs and, like, just ran through women. But, like, that's one episode, maybe. Yeah, but nobody. There's no. There's no evidence or, or anybody talking. Maybe this will. Sure. Maybe this will. Uh, you know, open some mouths. But maybe we. It's also whoever does. Whoever could get the juice on on like the whole Jeter after after the game. Like you know, once the the cleats were, the, the cleats were off. <laughs> if if somebody could get that story and get multiple people to talk, then you got a story. Here's the problem with um, so. Jeter obviously was is the if you had to pick one guy from those '90s teams and the 2000s teams, it's Jeter. But Jeter didn't do as much as Jordan did. Like you can't in baseball. There's no one player in baseball that can make the difference that one basketball player can make. It's just impossible. Well, you can't make it about that. Yeah, that's the thing. You have to talk about the fact that well, this that's wasn't... why Jordan is the perfect subject to make these documentaries. Jordan's about the greatest basketball player that has ever lived. So that's one of the reasons he's, he's there. probably the greatest team sport athlete that but ever he's lived. also, he's also extremely polarizing in the sense that the way that he had, uh, you know, affected his player, his teammates, the way that he mm-hmm. was a gambler, the way that, you know, the, 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 um, did he get suspended? His father. 
Do you believe? Do you buy that conspiracy theory? No. David Stern. Hell no. Suspended Why would for the David gambling? Stern ever want to get rid of that man off of their courts? If there was a gambling controversy coming up, he need to he need to get him out of the league because that would have been more detrimental than just him missing a season and a half. Nope. Not even. Not even. I don't do even you think, think there's any gambling bit. connection to his father's death. Uh, no, I don't. I, I I mean, if it's unless it's like a small time thing, like I don't think it's like a big overarching thing, though. I think maybe he got himself into some trouble, possibly. Like at that point, the dad got himself. Well, his maybe. dad was a gambler too. Yeah, I'm saying like it, I'm saying it was more if it if it were a gambling if it had to do with a gambling thing, uh, it may have been like a small time thing that was just like he pissed off the wrong people in a local North Carolina area, you know. So no, I don't think it had anything to do with Michael Jordan, but. If it came out that Michael Jordan was suspended from the league for gambling and it was all covered up, is that the biggest sports story of all time? Um, no, because you don't know what the repercussions would have been if it didn't happen. Well, yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think is the biggest sports story of all time? The biggest sports story of all time. Oh, man. Um, it depends. It's, like it's an era thing it's an too. Question. Yeah, because I it's know. an era thing. Like it depends on which which one has gotten the most coverage and which one. Because like, it's like the. <laughs> I know the Astros. The steroids was the first thing that came it. to my mind. No, like so, like but the Astros cheating scandal happened this year, and like people are like pretty much forgotten about it because of everything that's happened. Like the news cycle today is just so much quicker than the news cycle twenty years ago. Never mind eighty. Yeah, years that's ago. the thing. There's just so much saturation too. The, um, I mean, the first thing that came to my mind was was um, was the steroid because it was so deep as well. Like it, it, it didn't it didn't just happen with one team and and you know uh, a couple play, a couple people in the front office. Like this thing just kept going and it went deep onto certain a, a bunch of different players. Then there was a, they went to freaking Congress. Then there was like you know people openly lying. Then there was then there were raids of places and you know, it was just like way bigger. Do you know what I think it might be? And it went and it went across it went across sports too because you could lump in uh, Lance Armstrong in there too. I think OJ Simpson over the doping sports. That's not even a no. sports story though. But it kind of is. But it he is. Was a, he was a sports figure. Yeah, but what about Magic Johnson retiring because of AIDS? That was a big story. But the, again, that was like a big moment in time. I feel like not necessarily the biggest story. So you're just saying doping in general. Is that you, you're, you're rolling your eyes like it's an easy answer. I think that steroids in sports is the biggest. No, because I think it's just too, too big. broad. But there's two. It, and it covers so many years. It's taken down one of the, arguably the most famous athletes in the world, Lance Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Whittled him down. Mm-hmm. He is. He, I mean, it's international. Friggin you can't. Ride, he rides a like bike. I get it. But he's freaking huge. Not to mention... The whole Armstrong uh, bands, like, like the guy transcended sports. Then you get. Did you wear those? I don't think I ever wore one. No. But everybody did. Every I, did. I didn't follow trends. But then, <laughs> then you have baseball, which was on the biggest stage, and the the fact that the home run, the home run competition in '98 so, happened. So would like you, mag- would you say mag- late '90s steroid? Like you're talking about late '90s to 2000s. You're not talking about. Um, the history of time. No. That's when this. I'm talking about the late '90s. Well, because steroids. steroids, according to some people, like Jose Canseco, steroids really came into the game in the '80s. Yeah, I'm talking about the late ni- the effect, like when it became a story. Because that's what you asked. You asked story, right? And this story went layers deep, very, very deep. 
So that's why I feel like it's the biggest. Whereas the Astros, we kind of know, like, yeah, there might be some new revelations here and there, but it's it's really... Did I see something that LeBron James's company is doing a documentary about the Astros? Yeah, I saw that. I don't know where or why, but yeah. It's a weird, like, I don't know. I feel like more he's just, time needs he's to He's just fronting on money. He's just, he's just like giving money to a guy no, who's probably no, done it before I know, a thousand I know. times. LeBron James doesn't have anything to do with it. He's just producing it. His name's being slapped he's on it. He's not even, yeah, but, his name's being slapped on it. No, so. He's funding it. But don't, I feel like more time needs to pass before you can do a documentary because the whole point of a documentary is to have perspective and you can't have perspective six months later, especially if there's no baseball season this year. That's why. No, I'm saying like you need to have, what are the ramifications of it? Let's see how the Astros do in the years following. Like you need to have time pass before you can make a documentary. That's cool. I mean, we could do it again in like 10 years too, but I'm all for anybody building something to roast the Astros when they're getting off the hook. The, but the, but uh, I, yeah, I know the, what you're saying. What, what is going to come out of this documentary that we don't already know? More like, hatred. More hatred. And I'm here for it. I, I, I just think that like it would be great if in five years and the Astros turn into like a mediocre team and then we could be like, oh, well, look at the look at the effects and look at what the cheating got them and then where they were after that instead of, oh, we're going to have a documentary less than a year after the cheating scandal yeah. ca- came out. Where are they now? Oh, still in the league, still doing well. It's like, oh, great, great friggin' findings documentary. Yeah, well, we'll build one in five years too. Add to the story. <sighs> It'll be a docu-series over 10 years. You good with, you good with that? series well, this wasn't even really a documentary about Michael. It was Jordan. a docu series. Like, Here's why I'm awesome. It was a. It was told from his perspective, which is I think a lot of people. Ken Burns didn't like it. Potentially, people are, uh, don't realize that. I don't know if you don't. If you're casually watching this, you may not. You may not realize that this was told in the eyes of Jordan. Mm-hmm. I, I love the fact that it was told in the eyes of Jordan because I feel like it's a it's it's a cool perspective. I feel like we've already seen a lot of the reportings on the other side of it. So I want to know what the athlete thinks. I want to know what his perspective on and like his thought. I'm I'm fine being skewed that way as long as I have the other no. side too. Yeah. No, I mean it's entertain it was entered it's it's been entertaining. The, I mean I the, haven't watched the last two episodes. The interviews of him just like talking are to me the best parts. I agree. I just want to hear him talk about it. <laughs> I just want to hear him I want to hear him react to everything. Like when they hand him the iPad and he reacts to it, it's the it's the best do right you, there. Do you think he's a bad teammate? No. I think he was wired so differently than everybody else. I think there's a lot of guys like that. I think some guys, um, when you when you look back, they're going to be known as those guys that drove people hard and they had like ultimate accountability for their teammates. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. Is that? Do you think though he pushed the line on accountability? Because like some of the things that we've seen, it's I wouldn't call that accountability as much as I don't know what the word is hazing, but. No, not hazing. And it's not even like I don't even I don't really have a problem with it because the Scott Burrell he, stuff. He wanted to win and he expected the most out of out of everyone because he was giving the most. So so I get he all He expected that. the same output that he gave. And and it didn't compute in his brain how that was. But it wasn't, wasn't even it wasn't possible. And it's not even effort, it's like results. Like that guy's not good enough. 
Steve Kerr is not good enough to do what Michael Jordan was doing. It doesn't matter how hard he tries. He could practice but, but, for but 24 that, but hours Jordan a day knew that. for 10 years Jordan, Jordan was not, not good enough. Jordan was not trying to make you as good as he was. He was trying to make you as good at your role as you possibly could be and like get the absolute most out of what you're doing. So there was he understood that there were there were um there were roles on a team and he needed the output. He needed you to execute your job at a high as high of a level as he's executing his job. And that right there is that's greatness. That's excellence. Like that's that's a guy that doesn't know anything less than uh than than what his his caliber of output is. Like I think it's all at the end of the day about output. I just thought another great uh, or huge sports story was the Tiger Woods downfall on Thanksgiving Eve when he crashed his car and got hit in the face with a seven iron. That was a huge, huge deal, and that one, that one had ever like lasting effects too. But again, that was like a, it wasn't as layered. Can we get a Tiger Woods documentary? I feel like that would be a good subject. Yeah, you're gonna have. I feel like you'd have some, you'd have a hard time getting people to talk on that one. You can find it. I guarantee there's a bunch of NDAs out there right now. A lot of NDAs signed. <laughs> Lift those NDAs, Tiger. <laughs> Give the people what they want. A lot of NDAs signed right now. It would be called Hole in One. Mm. What would the Core Four one be called? The Fab Five. Because <laughs> Core Bernie Four is just, a freaking embarrassment. <laughs> Bernie just in the it's background. embarrassment like, to Bernie Williams. Williams. Playing the guitar. Yeah, Bernie. Yeah, it needs to be all about... So, If you want to make a documentary, let's let's build a documentary about... Bernie Williams, and he's the most underappreciated player in baseball history. How about that? You might get a, you might get a half hour out of it. <laughs> All right. That's it for this episode. Thank you for everyone who has given us a rating and review. I was going to thank people, and I forgot to pull the names. So I'm going to do that right now as I'm stalling to talk. Scott, uh, thank you for helping me I'm out. Gonna let you die on the, I'm going to let you die on that hill. All right. So thank you to Stricker02. A Lokata 13. <laughs> Why'd you have to say Mustafa, it like Blake Snell caused coronavirus? <laughs> Mustafa Mond, because they also used fire emojis, so I feel like that's how they wanted it to be said. Noah Harris, 0131. And I think those are all the ones that came in over the last couple weeks. Thank you guys for giving us a review. Um, if you guys have not given us uh, a review and a rating yet, please do so. Uh, we said a million times like it helps out the show but it really does and right now where like listen people are not listening to podcasts as much like need some help out there people go support us any way you can with the ratings and reviews and also the uh if you are interested in getting your gamble on go to betonline.ag scott any last words um yeah i just uh i hope that the players and the owners can see the light Find some some uh, some movement here, and then then we'll all feel really good when they get shut down by the doctors. <laughs> Great last words. Talk to you next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. 
Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.